been a weirdly quiet week at the Smith House, Brad. Yeah. Is that out of the norm? Uh, well, no, I mean, Norm's not here either, but, um, uh, no, my daughter in, in some California fifth graders, maybe all of them, I don't know, maybe, maybe all of them that their districts pay for it is maybe how it works. Go to this thing called outdoor ed for a week where they go to a, like some disused summer camp. Uh, there are a bunch of, uh, high schoolers there as counselors and they do, they, they like work with naturists. Nope, not naturists, naturalists, 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 naturists or something different. I think. Wait, is that um, a thing? Hang on. Now I need to know. I, th- I think those, I think that's the new, the preferred term for nudists, but I'm not sure. Anyway, oh, yeah, you sure <laughs> <laughs> a lifestyle of practicing non-sexual social nudity in private and in public. Yeah. yeah so naturalists, just uh-huh. a naturalist okay. uh, to learn about the outdoors. And they usually go to like, um, they usually like, like for us, they went down to Pescadero, which is like Redwood, Redwood Groves in the, the coastal mist forest, you know, the whole thing. I can never hear Pescadero without thinking about Terminator 2 anyway. Wait, when did they talk about Pescadero and Terminator the, the, 2? That's, that's where the like the state mental hospital is that they bust out of. God, that is a long drive from L.A. Mm, is it? Because it's like 30 minutes south of my house. Oh, they got that chopper. Arnold, you know, chopper. Arnold doesn't have to sleep either. You know, he can just kind of. He just the, drives the pickup Terminator truck. can just drive straight through. Yeah. So, so anyway, we, um, uh, we've been here like single, single, no, no kids, which is the first time that's happened in like 10 years Yeah. for like, I mean, she's got to sleepovers and stuff for a night or two, but like, it's never been where I can't talk to my daughter since she was able to talk. Is it, is it, is it like communications blackout? Like, yeah, you can't just call if you want. No. No, they huh. both a it's Pescadero, so there's no internet or really limited phone. Oh, um, but yeah, like they only call you if there's an emergency need to come get them or something bad happens. So like, oh, no look. calls is good news. No, no news is good news. Yes, yeah, but Indeed. it's 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 parents will get this. It is profoundly weird. I'm sure to not be able to like just say hey, good night, kiddo, and and uh, so she comes back in like four hours. I'm pretty excited. We get to hear all about it. I'm sure you gotta you just gotta take a deep breath before they leave and just be like, all right, I've got to play it cool. I've got to just. Everything will be fine. I'm Look, sure everything will be fine. When the school bus. So the kids were really excited because they rode a school bus down there and like we, we aren't a school bus district. So none of these kids had ridden school buses before. Um, the, God, that's right. <laughs> took, took a second for that to sink in for me. Yeah, because like growing up in the South, school buses were how everybody got to school. It's like the quintessential public school experience. Yeah, we. um but also all the kids were super stoked about getting to get on the school bus because they'd never had that experience before. And the parents were all like, oh, 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 you know, big, big tears. Um, and then we all went and got coffee afterwards, which was nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but it's it's um, it's interesting because I bought for her to make this a little bit about technology, not just about being a dad. Uh, before we went, I was she was they were like, you can take a disposable camera or like send a cheap digital camera. I was like, wow, I can't believe they still make disposable cameras. That's shocking. Um, and then I went to look and see what a cheap digital camera cost. And for like 30 bucks, you can get a 44 megapixel camera with admittedly probably a terrible UI. It is very clearly just a smartphone sensor jammed into a box with a battery and a memory card slot and like. It looks like a UI that, I mean, honestly, Brad, I think if you and I sat down and spent two days on it, we could probably do a better job. <laughs> I believe it. Um, and it, it like has like, it's, it's, uh, I'm in, but the pictures were like, not bad. Tolerable. Does, is, yeah. it, is it, is it, is it of a brand that you had ever heard of? 
Oh no. Oh okay. no, no, no. No, Good. it's Good. uh I, I will tell you what brand it is. And did it come from what's the what is the with the AliExpress that you were all competitor, I should say. Timu. I, Timu. Yes. It was it was I needed it late enough. I forgot to order it, so I did not have time to order from Timu. And honestly, my experience with other stuff bought from Timu does not lead me to believe that it is a good. It was a good choice. Yeah, we we, we still we still need to revisit the um, the six dollar handheld game player. Well, I, I think we should do a review roundup. I'll um maybe I'll bring the six dollar handheld game. Oh I, my I, God. I, it's been sitting on my desk for two months. So I mean, a a embracing to find uh, to find out that there's something absolutely awful about Timu that I sh- that we shouldn't be talking about Timu because of. But B, every time I go to Timu, I just think we need to do an entire <laughs> episode on it because I, I went to Timu and typed digital camera. Yeah, for thirteen dollars and eighty one cents. Yep. What do you get? It's it looks like a Canon was it like EOS or what was the what was the power ca- shot or was it Elf yeah. or power shot? Like remember the the Canon from like 15, 20, 15 years ago. God, was it twenty years ago? So. I found my old Canon from 15 or 20 years ago, the so, day after she left. Oh, that's a bummer. Cause that's yeah. probably, well, actually, I don't know. It might be quite dated at this point. <clears throat> it's a six, it's a six megapixel, oh, but that's, it's a, it's a, it's a, not a CMOS sensor. It's a CC sensor. <laughs> no, no. C. What was the other one? CCD. CCD. So the yes. pixels are bigger. So okay. it looks pretty good. Okay. I just close the loop here. It looks like one of those classic Canon digital cameras. It even has the Canon font. Mm-hmm. But instead of where it would say Canon, it just says camera. <laughs> it says camera in the Canon font. That seems right. This is a this was a sending digital uh, camera. It came with two batteries. Okay. Yeah. So Let's you know, look. and a 32 gigabyte SD card that I immediately threw in the trash because I was pretty skeptical of it. I, you know, <laughs> that might be for the best. Yeah. Excited to hear how these pictures turn out. I'm, I just hope she remembers to take a picture. <laughs> Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I am Brad. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Greetings. I feel like I should change it up every week and not just, you know. Really? I feel like every week should be exactly the same as every other week. We should just do the same thing forever and ever until we die like cogs in the machine. See, you say the thing and then I say the thing and then blank, you know, like it's I feel like it's on me to keep it going. Oh, so you're saying the forms of Canley must be observed. Sure. Yes. I, uh, I watched Dune the other night while I was cleaning out my closet. Like mm-hmm. I had it on in the background and I was like pulling out old clothes and, and discarding old t-shirts. Wait, which dude? The, the new one. Oh, okay. I like both dunes a lot, mm. but the new one, the new one is a good listener. It turns mm. out. We, we watched the old one. I saw it for the first time a few months ago. I don't mm. wait. You'd never seen it before. I had never seen it before. I guess I'll say I'm glad I saw it. And that's about all I'll say. Wait, did you watch this as part of, as part of your festival of David Lynch? Yes. Oh man. What a, fucking treat that is it's interesting it's like it's a weird fascinating movie i'm not gonna say it's good oh it's uh oh oh brad it's like so just so you know i saw that when i was like 12 years old probably yeah, and it was at that age it was a life-changing oh, it was course. like what if star wars but horny of course and also right? it was a very different time as well yeah yeah i mean the effects the effects the toto all of that stuff landed much better in like 1986 than it does in 2023 i think sleeper has awakened yeah 
uh, uh, what's her? Yeah, like that 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 movie is a okay. You, you know what else has awakened? What else is Kyle McLaughlin? He's always awake. He drinks a lot of coffee. He does drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. Also awake are these questions that have come in. Mm. These these questions we have from both email and Discord are alive and kicking. Oh right, it must be the last Sunday of the month, right? Or the first Sunday of the next month. Yeah, because we forgot that this month has 30 days. Yeah, so um, happy, happy October, everyone. This will be a two email month. Yep. Yep. It's a blue emails is what you call that one. When there's two email, two, two emails in one month, you call it a blue email month. It's funny. It's a it's a five Sunday month, meaning we are going to do emails twice. It's also a five Monday month, meaning we're going to do five horror movies on the watchcast this this month. Oh, because you do watchcast on Mondays. Yes. Well, that's good. Are you picking actually scary stuff? Or are you picking like slasher movies from the 80s about kids going to summer camp? This, this is dumb inside baseball. There was a horror movie I wanted to include and we already had four. And then we looked at the calendar and it was like, oh, actually, there's five weeks in this month. Oh, and nice. I was like, oh, cool. I can slide my movie right in. Um, uh, it's it's a mix. OK, it's, a, it's well, I haven't seen most of okay. what we're watching, so I actually can't say for sure. But I I gather that the was this Suspiria, the Italian or oh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe maybe more weird than scary and the japanese movie house you is sounds like is definitely more weird than scary sometimes japanese horror movies can go either way on that depending on your particular response to stimuli this one is apparently legendary for just being yeah. wacky wacky weird shit is, was my impression i so when the kiddo went to this camp, I had suggested watching some documentaries about children that go to summer camp and like then, you know, just so she knew what to do if something bad happened while she was there. I started to mention when you, when you said the phrase disused summer camp earlier, yeah. I started to say that sounds like a horror movie waiting to happen. But anyway, look, they have teenage counselors there to keep them safe. Yeah. So it's OK. What could go wrong? Yeah. And, you know, it's not like the, there's a new person in charge of the camp this year because the old person died under mysterious circumstances last year. It's everything's fine. Certainly teenage high school, teenage camp counselors could not invite the puritanical wrath of the universe. No, no, no. It's probably fine. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, this is the week that we turn Q's and A's. That's mm-hmm. a long way of getting that. If you have a question, you can send it to uh, tech, tech pod at content town or question seeking answers on the discord. There you go. See, we mixed it up. Uh-huh. It's like fill in the blanks. Yes. Um, do you want to start? We have a we have a bunch. We have a, a lot of banner crop this month. A lot here. I'm we have a lot this. of emails too. I I've been on an old computer and old operating system kick on YouTube lately, so uh-huh. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read this one here from John Leftwich from the emails. Okay. At a high level, why was Windows Me such a shitbox? Pronounced M-E, technically. Is it is it M-E? Was was that short the, for Millennium Edition? Yeah, Millennium Edition. Was that was that the was that the approved pronunciation? Windows ME? I was not in a position to know, but I believe so. Because Windows XP is Windows XP. Well, like yeah. They, you, you read the abbreviations. I, I always got the sense it was kind of a double meaning, though, because that was also getting into the era of like, oh, your personal computer is yours. It's about you. you the know? computer's like, for like, you. It's personal. Remember when Time Magazine named you the person of the year not long after this? Yeah, I, that was a great year for me, if I'm being honest. Anyway. At a high level, why was Windows ME or ME such a shitbox? Of all the Windows operating systems I have used going back as far as I can remember, that's universally the worst. Is my memory letting me down or was it really that trash? Um, it was the neither fish nor fowl of Windows, right? Like yeah. it, they took out all of the things that you needed to run old stuff, like like the command line shell and all that. But it also didn't have the stability of a Windows 2000 XP NT yeah. kernel. That's, yes, so, that's exactly it. 
and and yeah and and like also literally driver support was for it was challenging because they weren't particularly good at driver support at that point yet uh so and it while it was supposed to run the old drivers it was janky like the 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 it was supposed to you're supposed to run windows 98 drivers in it seamlessly and sometimes that was the case but sometimes it wasn't depending on how old your hardware was yeah and and you know i mean you kind of touched on this it was Right around the time that Microsoft was transitioning to the NT based Windows, starting with 2000 and then XP and then on and on. Yeah. Like I, my memory of me, I mean, I'd have to look at the release dates, but 2000 came out around the same time, maybe <laughs> shortly after. I think 2000 came out before, actually. It may have been, been the beta, may, though. May have been before. I just I remember when me came out, I was like, man, what an also ran this is like. They are clearly already moving to the NT stuff like this just feels like the worst of both worlds. Like, why does this even exist? And I feel like it, it got retired very quickly, didn't it? Didn't it last like less than a year? So ME came out after Windows 2000. Yeah. Uh, Windows 2000 came out in March and Windows ME came out in September of 2000. Oh, wow. Um, like two, I, I reviewed both of them for Maximum PC, oh, I guess. Oh, we should. Maybe we should go look at those at some point. Um, I, my memory of 2000 was it was like still pretty nascent, you know, like driver support was not amazing and it's still... It still felt a little bit like you were running an enterprise OS on your on your personal desktop. Like it was, it wasn't until XP that it felt like, okay, this is just a real consumer windows for everybody. Yeah, that was, that was very much the case. Like if you were trying to do stuff with it, that if you were trying to run hardware with it, that like would have had workstation drivers for windows XP, windows 2000 was fine. Um, if you had like a sound blaster card and multiple cores in your computer, windows at 2000 was challenging. Yeah. yeah. So Although, frankly though, I ran NT4 on my machine. So going to 2000 felt like a vacation. <laughs> felt amazing. Yeah. The, the big jump for 2000 was that you could get direct 3d like yeah. windows NT4 didn't have direct 3d. It had other yeah. direct X stuff, but it didn't do direct 3d. Yeah. Direct X was super limited on NT. The, the nice thing about NT4 though, was that it had decent open jail support and all the games I cared about at that time were quake derivatives. So I could play all those. Yeah, you're using that um, glide open GL to glide wrapper, probably. Yeah. I think I feel like I remember like even even like sound subsystems were different on NT4. Like you had to do some weird stuff to get sound in games and things like that. Well, the, yeah, they didn't the priority sound stuff didn't exist in NT4. So yes. it, it like uh, it, yes. it it was it was like it was it was a weird it was a weird in between. Yeah. Um, and, and NT4 was just NT with the Windows 95 interface, basically. Yeah. And if, if you wanted, and eventually they added some stuff on, like they added, they added direct three D three, uh, direct X three, I think to it without the direct three right. D component. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was janky. Yeah. But it was the only bastion for people who couldn't stand the 90 X windows anymore. Well, also or, didn't or, want to run Linux, not that or, Linux was viable at the time. Or if you had a multi-core machine, right? Like that. Yes. Remember, this is also yeah. the era of the BP6, right? Yes. Where you could take two yes. Celeron 300 A's and jam them into a gigantic A-bit workstation board oh, and God. get the dual-core computing. The golden age. I mean, I definitely did not have that, but but that's the, uh, the golden age. I had that. It was fucking awesome. I'm, I'm sure that was pretty good. It, uh, that, that machine was the least reliable computer I've ever owned in my life. I can see it. Yeah, I could see it. But, you know, if you wanted like true multitasking and all the stuff of a modern operating system, that was kind of your option. <laughs> just just to be clear, a Celeron 300A was like a hundred and eight dollar CPU and you could overclock them from 300 megahertz to 500 megahertz. So it's uh, like a 50, 50. 
it was you, a 50 yeah, four, yeah 450 yeah, 300 to 450 yeah, so so you could go to 500 if you lived a little bit on the edge okay well that's um 450 was like basically guaranteed 100 percent yeah, of units out of the box would do 450 stable 450 was easy yeah. um so like you, what we're talking about is a dual cpu over dual overclocked incredibly cheap processor uh basically workstation board so for like 500 bucks you could have two cpus mm-hmm. and an nt workstation but windows 95 and 98 and me didn't support multiple cpus so yeah. everybody was dual booting back then yes yes there was a lot of that sort of thing back then um boy do i dare risk reading this email from dave and sheffield that i haven't even read yet it appears to be about windows 11 why don't we just keep this going live on the edge man uh Okay, I'm going to discover this one in real time. Uh, There was a lot of fuss about the simplified uh, right-click menu when Windows 11 was first released, uh, and the discourse seems to have trended of late to most people, adding that they are used to the process of the additional click to access the full menu. Uh, But I noticed at some point in the update lifecycle, 22H1 perhaps, uh, that you could hold down Shift and right-click and you would go straight to the classic full menu. Uh, This for me has worked a treat if I just want to rename a file, look at its properties, or perhaps go to the Windows Display Set. Wait a minute. Is Windows Display Settings buried in the submenu? How often do you do do Windows Display? No, Display Settings is not in the submenu. It's not? Okay. How often do I use it? I mean, this this week as I've been trying to get my PC to output to my new TV properly, like, a lot. Well, but... uh, that's it, just a weird, that's normally a, that's a, that's not, a weird one off. Yeah. Normally not that often. Uh, anyway. Okay. Shift right click. It seems to be the tip. I did here. not know about this. this is a fabulous tip. Is, Thank is you, that, Dave. Oh God. It even works in 10, except it adds more. I think I, maybe I knew this at one point. Oh, what does it expand everything? It, it doesn't expand everything. It adds options that were not there before. Well, okay. So like shift uh, right click to open with is the classic. Why I shift right click. Oh, I, wow. I don't think I knew about that one either. Yeah. On, let me try. Does that not just work? It used to, it, in oh, the oh. old days, in the old days, the open I with see. menu wasn't there if the file was associated with something. So you had to yes. shift right click to open with. Okay. Now it is. Now it is. Um, yeah. Now I think open with is always there. I think we, have we talked about before shift, shift right click on taskbar buttons is also a winner. I think we've mentioned before, but. That one, that one will get you things like minimize all windows and restore all windows, show all windows side by side, like a lot of cool window management oh, wow. stuff. Uh, that's a good one. Um, anyway, there's a hot little Windows that's a, that's tip a, for you. Mostly a Windows 11 tip, but um, I'll tell you, if I if I shift right click the desktop, I get such options as open Linux shell here in Windows 10. Ooh, so, we, we got fewer tips in response to the tips episode that I was hoping for. I was yeah. I was hoping for a whole cavalcade of hot new tips. And you, mostly people were like, oh, I hadn't heard those. Are so you that was, chastising the audience? No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, don't hold. Okay. Don't, look, don't hold your tips in reserve. Yeah, you got to no. use them when you know them. Hit them. Because Microsoft might take us, them away. Yeah. Hit us with them, rather. That's what I'm trying to say. We, we won't tell anybody. We'll just keep them between Brad. It'll just be Brad and my yes. enjoying your tips. We won't yes. share them with everybody. And hoard all of the tips. I'm going to be yeah. so much more productive than everyone else. It'd be like a dragon for tips. Um, Let's see. Brendan from Ontario. Ooh. Uh, during the switch from 1080p to 4K, I remember seeing charts explaining how close you'd have to sit to different sizes of screens to be able to appreciate the upgrade, assuming you have 2020 vision. I'm not surprised that 8K doesn't matter to people because the average room doesn't have space for a suitably sized TV where you could even notice the difference, never mind the budget. 
Um, I understand that other facets of image quality are now more important, and I'm seeing new stuff down the pike like, I had not heard of any of these, plasmonic foleds. That's P-H-O-L-E-D-S. That's foleds or foleds? Oh my god, get out. Nanoleds, etc. Hang on, I, I gotta... I assume nanoleds are very small. Nanoled sounds like maybe some kind of evolution of microled. Maybe, yeah. I'm guessing. That reads. Plasmonic foleds. Is that a real... I think this is, that seems real. Plasmonic foleds. Increasing OLED stability is, is what this, pay, this white paper says. The next generation of OLED emitters. Plasmonic foleds is the next big thing in OLED TVs. Plasma's coming back, baby. Huh. Interesting. And now it's monic. Hang on. Now I have to type nano lead in here as well. Sorry. I didn't even need yeah, to nano do LEDs are just really, really, really <laughs> small micro leads. Here, here are a bunch of other uh, articles describing nano lead as also the next big screen tech. The, look, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you have to write, if you have to write 10 or 20 news stories a day, anytime somebody's yes. like, yo, man, we got the next big uh-huh. screen tech coming. You're like, hell yeah. Easy story today. Yeah, I've got to have to look into this stuff, though. I'm curious. So I wonder how nano lead compares to micro lead in terms of the tech. They sound quite related just based on the name. Anyway, um, Brendan says, my question is, with compressed streaming bit rates being the way most of us consume media, is there a point where further tech advancements just don't matter anymore? Are the source limitations I'm referencing not standing in the way of the kinds of improvements TVs can still make? So... First off, Brendan, I uh, I don't know that I agree with the charts about the how close you have to sit to the TV for the different size and resolution TVs to matter, because I like to get like three feet away and feel like oh, my TV I, is an IMAX. I right? don't get it. I don't understand that. I can't sit too sec. I mean, Sorry. what different different strokes, but if I have to turn my head to see Vanna White when I'm watching Wheel of Fortune, that's that's the only way I feel alive. If, if you're watching something, it's fine. I guess I'm, I'm thinking more for games. Like if I can't like very nicely square the whole screen in my field of view without having to turn my head or move my eyes around, like I feel like I have a harder time just like parsing what I'm doing in the game. That's probably true. But like um, so I have like a 24 inch monitor on my desktop and inside my glasses field of view from where I sit three feet away from the monitor. I could easily fit a 27 inch TV screen. I'm realizing Mm -hmm. maybe even bigger. Yeah, probably even bigger. I'd probably go up to the 30 if I wanted to get nuts. Um, I feel like the big upgrade from 1080 to 4K wasn't the resolution. It was the HDR stuff. HDR is absolutely the more eye-catching thing than the resolution. I can tell the difference on my new TV between 1080 and 4K. I'm at, I'm about 10 feet away from a 65-inch. Like, yeah. it's not profound. Like, 1080 still looks fine. In fact, like, going back to some games I was playing earlier this year, like Dead Space on the PS5, Resident Evil 4, stuff like that. Like, I was playing yeah. all those in the performance modes because why wouldn't I? Because I was on a 1080p TV yeah. anyway. Now I'm on the 4K and like going back and forth, I can see a difference, but it's like the 1080 is still acceptable. Um, well, yes, yes. HDR absolutely is the thing that makes a bigger difference there by a lot. Yeah. And and um, the point about st- streaming bit rates is is pretty valid. Yes, um, absolutely. The the video codecs are getting better as we switch from H.264 to AV1 or or, or um, H.265 or whatever. The the quality, the video quality at the same bit rate is going to go up some. But yes. we're still talking about you're still like you're still talking about like not the best quality you're talking about a lossy compression on something that you can actually tell the difference. And the, 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 the reason you don't notice is that our brains filter out compression noise over time. Like if you, if in the DVD, we've talked about this before, but in the DVD era, 
I, I could not see MPEG two compression artifacts at all anymore after after a couple of years. And now when you when I go back and watch an MPEG two video, it's I my brain is screaming at me that there's blocky chunks all over the video. Yeah. So, um, I I cannot believe how long we have stuck on two six four. I just looked it up. That spec was published in two thousand four. Well, yeah, it didn't get popular yeah. until Blu-ray hit in 2007, well, I, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah but I, that wasn't even that long. I mean, that even that is still 16 years ago. I mean, I mean, how I just I, it's just crazy how long it has stuck. I know, I know that like like um, there's a lot of inertia because of the hard because yes. because they require hardware support both, to, for decode and encode now. Both both hardware adoption, although like most things support 265, I think, or at least unless it's like a very cheap streaming box or something like that. But then oh. like 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 Jean Baptiste said on the false spot about VLC, like there's also the royalty licensing issues around a lot of modern codecs that have also held things up. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, nobody wants to pay. And yeah, so, but then, but then like AV one is the solution to that. Cause it's licensed free or it's royalty free. Royalty but free. Then now, now we have to wait for everything to support that. So yeah, lovely. Um, did we talk about next gen TV here? I know we talked about it on a next line of ramble. No, what's next gen TV. Next gen TV is ATSC 3.0. ATSC mm. being the successor to NTSC. So this is the over-the-air broadcast standard. It's, it's the next generation version of, remember when broadcast went digital and uh-huh. high definition, like 2006, seven, I think is when that switchover yeah, happened. Early 2000s. So this is the next iteration of that. So what changes? It, it's, it can do 4K HDR over the air. But not 8K? I doubt it. Is HD only broadcasting 1080p? Is over-the-air TV only 1080p still? So this is to the point of this email that I was going to make. Um, So A, I did a channel scan. I pick up 71 over-the-air digital channels in San Francisco now. Give me Christmas. I mean, a number of those are duplicates, and quite a few of them are not something I would actually want to watch, but like, it's still kind of cool that all those channels are there. I really liked that Korean, um, the Korean home shopping channel Mm -hmm. that used to run. I don't know if they still do that. It's probably there. I haven't even gone through all those channels, but I, so six of those are next. Also, the actual branding is the next gen TV. Like, I think it's a little goofy. There's a logo and everything. Next gen TV it just sounds going to be like, Bill Gates's favorite TV, TV yeah, standard some, for sure. Ext- extreme like cheesy nineties branding. Anyway, I get six of those channels and at least two of those are still broadcasting 720p over that 4k capable spectrum. Mm. You know, like I think, I think one out of the six does HDR. None of them are above 1080p. Like most of them, like the actual content is still very compressed. So it's like, the capability is there, but they are doing nothing with it. Well, you think about it, like the cost of upgrading the, the, the you know, the TV studio infrastructure. It's not like they just have a machine with OBS yeah, running yeah. on it. Yeah, of course. Like it's expensive. So I get it. But, 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 you know, like the, the point here is extremely valid that like, you know, nothing is actually nothing except like the, I went on a spree of going around downloading like Dolby vision and like LG OLED demo material. Like, yeah very high bit rate 4k HDR stuff when I got the TV, but those are all just files I downloaded from, from those vendors and put on a USB stick. Cause that's the, it's basically the only way. Well, I mean, you could buy a UHD. Like I could, I could, I could go buy a UHD disc of something and put it in my Xbox. If I really wanted to see like nice high bit rate, high quality stuff, but like yeah, 99% of what's out there, not great. Does the PlayStation not do it UHD does. disc? Oh, it does too. It, okay. it does, but it does not do Dolby vision. Oh, of course, that gets into a weird a whole other subcategory of picking Ugh. platforms and formats. Once you get a TV like this is like 
I tend to play most stuff on the PS5 by default, but now I'm certainly thinking more like, oh, should I get the Xbox version instead? Because that's got the better HDR. I just, I just, so when we were in Palm Desert this summer and I had set up the TV to work the right way, um, I, I, Gina at one point was like, I don't care if it's the best possible standard it can look like. I just want it to not annoy me and just work. And I was like, okay. And I set it to just do stuff automatically and everything was better. Automatic is good. Um, should we talk about universal remotes? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read this one real quick here from Nathan. Uh, I bought an RF-based Logitech Harmony maybe a decade ago, and it's been excellent at wrangling my various devices and systems. Unfortunately, after years of getting chucked and abused by toddlers and maybe by me too, it's slowly starting to die. Following your very helpful August HDMI episode, my TV is looking rather old as well. Sorry. So I'm considering a new TV, new 4K streaming device thing, and some kind of new receiver as well. How do you handle the multiple remote situation? I haven't looked into this in quite some time. It seems like these days people just rely on one of their factory remotes to just control everything else uh, via HDMI CEC. That strategy seems to be implied by most reviews and or discussions I've looked at lately, but I haven't found an explicit description about how most folks use their remotes. So that's that, what I, that is exactly how to do it. Yeah, that, that's what I set up for my parents uh, before I left town. And they love it. Like they absolutely like they rave about it. Like even even my dad who had like. They, they have a, they had a harmony as well. Like he didn't, didn't even want to touch that thing and did not love the Apple TV remote. But then I set everything up where you only have to use the Apple TV remote. Like he, he requires zero help to just turn everything on and find the thing he wants to watch now. Yeah. The, the, um, it, it, the, so the HDMI CEC thing works better. The fewer devices you have connected to them, to the TV. Yeah. Um, for consoles generally, um, if you use it, it'll turn on the TV and the receiver or whatever else you have in the chain. And then when you turn off the console, it turns off the TV and the receiver. Um, most, I think both, I think both the PlayStation and the Xbox lets you let you configure that. So you can have it stay on if you want, and then it'll just turn off when the timeout runs on the TV five minutes later. Um, but that feels wasteful to me. And also that means that the receiver stays on basically indefinitely. Oh. Um, but, but like, I don't, so the HDMI CEC support varies widely based on what the box you have is too. like the Amazon fire TVs. I haven't, I haven't actually tested a new one in a really long time. So they may be better at it now when they were first and second generation, they were terrible at it. Um, the Apple TVs have always been really good. So one of the, like I buy the Apple TVs because of that. And because of the uh, fact that they don't run a bunch of ads on the menus. Yeah, it, it seems very, the uh, Apple TV specifically seems very reliable from what I used of it before I left. Um, and everybody getting new TVs here. This is the season. Right. I'm going to move on to the Discord questions here. Here's a question from Warbird about the old TV. Here we go. Over under on Brad getting rid of the old TV is currently at one year. Will over or under? Wait, you didn't get rid of the old TV when they brought the new TV? No. You have two TVs in your in your living room? They didn't, they didn't offer to take it away. That's not a service they provide. Did you buy it at Costco? No, I bought it from Amazon. Oh, if you buy it from uh, Best Buy, they'll take the old TV when you when they bring the new TV. Interesting. What are you oh, going to do? Was, Put it on the sidewalk? Do the um, classic? Probably going to Craigslist it, I think. That's, so I tried to Craigslist one of these because I had to replace my Panasonic about six years ago. Wait, your plasma? Yeah. Wait, what are you using now? My plasma. Uh, it's the same plasma. I just bought a. I bought, I bought one for 200 bucks. Wait, you bought another one? 
I, I mean, it's a little bit bigger than the huh. one I had originally. I, I did not realize that. This was this was before we started doing the tech pod. Probably did, did you buy you bought the second one used? Yeah, oh, I thought uh, you would have a, the a same friend, plasma. A friend, a friend replaced theirs with a uh, with a larger. I see. Uh, with an OLED, and I was okay. like. Hey, mine's doing that wine thing. Does yours wine? They're like, no. And I was like, I'll call, oh. call it off and, you know, take it for you for, you oh. know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, but I got rid of our old one though. I couldn't get anybody to come get it to pay really? for it. No, I was like, oh, Hey, wow. I'll, like I started at 500 bucks thinking it was a good deal and it was not a good deal. So by the time it got down to like, like I was like, I put it on for $150 or something. And, uh, and then I was just like, I'm going to, somebody called and was like, Hey, my, uh, my apartment got broken into, is there any chance you can make me a deal on this? I was like, if you come haul it off and I don't have to carry it into your car, it's yours. Yes. That's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Like I, I might throw it up there for a hundred bucks just to see if it's possible, but, but I it's, probably it, will just be like, Hey, free TV. It's, I, in retrospect, probably putting it up for a hundred bucks, weeded out the cranks. Sure. Um, so sure. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, huh, that's that's interesting to hear because like those Panasonic plasmas and also the Pioneer plasmas from around the same time, like were kind of legendary for a while. So I wondered I wondered if there would still be some like weird devoted fan community of people who are like trying to kind of like the way CRTs are rarer, you know, like people are trying to buy up the remaining plasmas, but maybe not. This probably was before that would have been possible. Does your TV have component inputs? The new one? Yeah. Um, definitely not built in. I th- think I might have read that there's some kind of breakout cable you can get or something. Yeah, do it, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh like that's the other thing I'm a little worried about. I'm I might have to buy a Frame Master Meister to play like my old Xbox, uh, my old uh, GameCube games and stuff. Oh, I think you you probably want to go retro tank at this point. I think that's that's mm. probably probably the gold standard but, of analog I, up upscaling but i have to buy a box basically is what you're saying yes, yeah. yes probably i i i'll i'll check i'll, I'll take the under now. i'm gonna take the under on brad getting rid of the old I, tv in less than I, a year it's sitting in the kitchen right now because there's nowhere else to put it like it needs to go like, like it's like, big enough that it's going to annoy you into getting rid of it. it's not like the chair uh, you can push off in the corner i really overburdened myself that week we took off from next lander recently because I both bought a new TV and also did a complete NAS rebuild and moved all the cuts, the guts of the NAS into a new case as well. Ooh, it was a lot. Which to, case did was, you get? It was a lot of tank. No, I was moving it into my old desktop case. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, the, the define R six that used to be my desktop is now yeah. the NAS. Um, but it was, that was a whole lot of tearing the whole house apart, rebuilding things. Yeah. We, we, uh, we took advantage of my daughter being away to clean the house from top to bottom this week. And we did about 30% of what we thought we were going to do. Cause uh, yep, yep. We, we've got a lot of, we, we've got, we, we caused a problem for ourselves during the three years that we didn't leave the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got it. Or actually it, it took about a, a week longer to get all that done than I thought it would. But yeah, anyway, the reason that. I brought that up is that I now have both the old TV and also this old defined mini and like half of a computer in it. Hmm. So I'm going to have to do the Craigslist thing pretty soon if I want to get all that mess out of here. Yeah, I have my old stream machine that I'm using as a footrest right now. It's like a Athlon 3600 or something. Huh. Okay. And it's uh, like it's it was unstable, but I think it was unstable. Anyway, we don't have to get into it. It's I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a look from the doorway. <laughs> yeah. Time to clear it out, man. Time time to get this stuff out of here. Uh, Let's see. Actually, you know, I'm going to read one more screen question from Cake Batter here because it's on topic and. 
I'm kind of I've been thinking about this myself, but haven't looked into it much yet. Cake Batter asks, have you have you color calibrated your monitor? Have you ever? I used either, to either... have two at the magazine because we we oh, would do yeah, proofs on them. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I have a color calibrator someplace. It hasn't. Wait, you do? I, I Yeah. Um, it's just you a do? little US. Huh? You do? It's a I have. No, I if you put a gun at my head and told me to find it, I probably could not <laughs> find it. It's fine. Um, I might have actually given it back to Norm when I left tested when I think okay. about it. But it was Um, it's just a little thing. You suction cup onto your screen in a specific yeah. spot and then you run a piece of software. Um, I. It was good for doing when we were working on stuff that was paper and needed to be color accurate because sure. then we knew exactly what it was going to look like as close as you can get between emissive and reflective surfaces. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I don't find it important. Like most monitors seem to have color profiles built in these days, so it hasn't been an issue. Yeah, monitors like, and, and TVs like that was, you know, in, in looking at all the Artings uh, TV reviews, like they go they go very hard on color accuracy. Well, I guess most TV reviews do. Yeah. Um, and they talk about like, like, I think they said my my model is like 80 something percent accurate out of the box. And so far, I've just lived with that. Like, I've been I've been staring at the calibration menu since I got it going like, should I try to figure out the white balance here? Should I actually worry about the colors or should I just leave it where it is? I don't know. So, like, I'm looking at a white, like one of the ways you can tell if your monitors um, calibrated pretty well, if you have two monitors is by putting a white. A window yeah and I've span doing, span both of them yes. and see if one looks like a different color white than the others i was just doing that because i have two identical monitors they're both 27 inch uh seuss monitors here uh-huh and yes yes white pure white looks pretty different across the two like at the exact same color and brightness settings yes yeah, like color, color temperature is different like the brightness is slightly different i have two different monitors and i'm my bottom monitor is a little warmer i i honestly like none of this matters if you turn on the thing that makes the monitor more warm at night and all those like like there's a whole bunch of stuff that it doesn't matter. The other thing about color calibration that most people don't know is that you have to keep the room lighting the same when you do that if you want it to be actually accurate. Oh, like like there's a bunch of like it's it's basically unless you're going to do all the other bullshit to make make it work right. It's kind of a placebo thing for the most part or yeah. if, if, or if it makes you crazy. Yeah, I think I'll probably just let it ride, quite also, frankly. Yeah, I was going to say, also, probably color calibrators are like $20 on Amazon. The one that oh, we wow. had was 300 bucks. Yeah, see, I assumed that it was like very... Well, actually, I'll go back even further. I was thinking back to the days when you kind of like had to hire a professional to come in and calibrate your TV, or maybe that was only something that rich people do. Um, no, no, you could always get the home service tech to come do that. We, we, oh, did, that that. Actually we did a story a about deal. that at Maximum PC once. Okay. It was it was fine. Um. It didn't one person could tell a different like we did an AB where we had two identical TVs set up and had them calibrate one and left the other the same. And most people preferred the one that was set up to the showroom mode. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I could see it. I could see it. Um, so uh, it looks like they're like 50 bucks. That's, mm, I don't I don't think I care that much. The handheld Honestly. one is 250. I've kind of I've kind of always leaned toward. Does it look good to me? Does it not look weird? That's probably fine. Well, I think the data color spider, which is the one I used to have, is still the gold standard. It looks like mm-hmm. oh, spider 10 pro. Why would you name your product spider? It's S.P.Y.D.E.R. because you're still, spying on the color. Still look, man, I'm I'm bad at naming stuff. Fair, fair. Um, all right. Here's a here is a good question from Beware of the Leopard. Is it crazy to still not trust devices like phones and laptops with my fingerprints? Um, that's a complicated question. 
Yeah, I, I assume it's even more complicated by which device you're talking about, because I'm sure different manufacturers have different levels of buttoned up security. Yeah, I mean, like, the, for example, the Apple stuff, all the biometric stuff lives on the device and doesn't get shared up upstream to the cloud. Yeah, and in fact, it lives in that secure enclave that they, they yeah. built in that, like, basically, the, assuming everything works right, I guess any any barrier can be breached in the right or wrong circumstances, but theoretically the data like your health and biometric stuff on apple devices isn't even accessible by the rest of the system yeah generally the um the fingerprint thing like i i, I always i don't know i like i get why people are consider this pr- highly proprietary personal information because it is yeah but at the same time if you traverse the real world and you don't wear gloves all the time it is really easy to le- like you're leaving fingerprints everywhere every single day everywhere you go sure but they're but they're not as easily tied to your identity as they are when they come off of your device well I like I would argue that it's probably easier for me to follow you and watch you, you know, open your front door and pick lift the fingerprint off of your front door than it is for me to get a fingerprint off of your device, even yeah, with probably. a subpoena. Right. Probably. probably. Um, it's honestly and if it's you're talking about law enforcement, it's easier for the law enforcement to literally arrest you and compel you to give a fingerprint when you're when you're booked than it is to get the fingerprint off of the device. So I'm, I'm not super, like, I don't, I don't find myself super concerned about that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy. I, I but, don't, you know. I don't, like I said, I get it. I just, it's not something I worry about. Yeah. Personally. I mean, there's only, there's only one way to be sure if you're worried about it, then the only way to be sure is not putting them on there in the first place. Or you could cut off the tips of your fingers. Mm-hmm. Ten little stuff. You could do that. I think I think I think the professionals just burn off the fingerprints. No, no, no. Have to actually. It it turns out you I learned this at the uh, at the at the FBI museum. Uh, If you if you try to remove your fingerprints by filing, sanding or burning, you just leave yourself with a much more identifiable, distinct fingerprint than you would if you had a fingerprint that was a normal ass fingerprint of some kind of unique scar tissue pattern Uh or something. Yikes. Like John Dillinger acided his fingerprints off or something and was notorious for being easy to tell his fingerprints because he still left them. They were just real janky looking. Criminals never win. I can't beat the FBI. That's yeah. Um, Let's see here. Question from hashtag two emojis that must be bunny fiend. I think that's a bunny fiend. Yes. Should I trade my double wide 42 U rack for a commercial pizza oven? That is perhaps the most tech pod asked question I have ever heard. Also, do they make, they make double wide racks? Yeah. Cause you could like, yeah, that you can. It's not. It's two forty-two oh, U racks yes. stuck side yeah, by side okay. to each I'm, other. I'm looking at a picture. It is literally just. Yeah, yeah it's it's two, not. Two, it's not a. It's single, not an eighty-four. Yeah, two, wide two rack. single. Two single. Single width. Uh, uh, yes. Well, the forty-two is the vertical number of mounts, but. Yes, yeah, so you're right. You're right. There's a divider in the middle. So you, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm going to argue. I thought I, I thought I wanted a regular forty-two U rack. Now I need. Now I need a double wide. I'm going to suggest that you can pile your computers on top of each other without a rack, but mm-hmm. you can't make a pizza in a 42 U uh, you- rack. Okay. Somebody has to have made a rackable pizza oven. It would be so fucking hot. 
Yeah, that would be pretty. It's like you want the pizza oven to be 500, 600 degrees Fahrenheit. It's going to be it, that you don't. Yeah. You don't want your hard drives next to that. It's too hot. No, no you don't. You don't. Um, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that is. Yes, that is. That is the rational response here. I remember at some the, point in the past, um, I want to say it was Jimmy Kimmel, but it was one of the late night hosts was doing a tour of their house and you got to the kitchen and he had just a full ass like pizzeria style six foot wide pizza oven in there. And I have never like it was the first time that I was like, you know, maybe being maybe being super wealthy would have some <laughs> some positive side effects. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I would I would totally do the pizza oven. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, I guess. Look, I'm guess. living just fine without a rack right now, Brad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that, that occurred to me as I was doing this NAS trying to transfer to a new case. You know, I was like, I'm doing all this work to move it into this bigger case. But like the second I could get a rack, I would probably just want to get a rackable case. Right. And so, I'm actually going to use this. Was, but then, yeah, you, you can get I assume you can just get shelves for racks. Right. You can just get like a nice sturdy shelf yeah, to put oh, on yeah, like, the, bottom, the bottom mount and like pile things on that. Uh huh. Yeah, because like like you think about like routers and stuff like that that yeah. maybe don't have wings. Right. Um, I have a rackable Silverstone case in the garage someplace. Huh. But but the problem is that like it was not they don't have enough. It's like it's like the size of the um the the what was the video thing that we used at Whiskey? Tricaster. The Tricaster. Um it's not big enough to hold all the hard drives I'd want in the nest, probably. Yeah. I think what most people do is get a um is that a backplane? I don't know what the term is. Like, it's just a giant thing full of hard drive bays that you would run. Oh, you get some, it's, you get it, something like a, you get something like an external yeah. host bus adapter in the actual computer part and just run cables into, yeah. into this backplane that can address like 48 hard drives or whatever. So, so then your NAS is like six U and or eight U instead of four. Yeah. yeah yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, I've thought about, so I have this big stump in the backyard that was like, a, it used to be a pine tree that got borers and had to come down and it's the right height to put a brick pizza oven on. And the only huh. thing that's stopping me is like a wood fired brick pizza oven. The only thing that's stopping me is I'm a little hesitant to do a wood fired pizza oven mm-hmm. given our fire situation here and sure. how dry it is most of the year. Cause there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a um, little bit of ash that comes out the top and I don't want to burn the, the neighborhood down. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that's that would be fun. Speaking of speaking of felled trees and stumps, did you see this this legendary tree in the UK got cut down oh, by man. a vandal? I that that kid, they should just encase him in lucite and put him on the place <laughs> where the tree used to be. <laughs> man, I had never heard of that tree before, but that was certainly a striking, a striking was, scene. It was a nice looking tree. It didn't uh, deserve what happened to it. Also, apparently that tree is like 300 years old. Yeah. Well, big trees. It turns out pretty old. Yeah. Especially uh, a sycamore, an old classic tree. Yes. Um, <sighs> okay. I had a question and I've lost it. How fast can I find it again? Talk amongst your, Do you want to do this great question? This is a good one. Oh, that, I think it's the one I was going to do, actually. Oh. I scrolled away from it. Here we go. Grant asks... Why is Unity unpopular among Will's people these days? My son is trying to make games and has been doing it in Unity so far. If it's on the downswing, I might suggest he learn something else. I, I, I assume I assume he's asking not in the context of Unity's shit policy decisions, but more the actual software engine tool itself. I think it's both. I mean, I don't think you can is extricate it? one from the other. Because uh, the, well, the, like, okay. like the... Okay, so if if you're learning, it's one thing. If you're learning, you want to use the tools that people are going to be using when you like. I guess 
like when, when you're a kid and you're learning, it's there's different ways to learn, right? Like if you're learning, and you want to go work in the games industry, you learn something that is going to be a viable skill that people will hire you. So you don't like, you don't want to go learn game maker when nobody who's making commercial games is using game maker to make games. That's like a hobbyist slash indie first time thing. Right. Um, unity for a long time was where people went to make indie games. Right. And there's a lot of YouTube nonsense where people are like, this has the unity look, blah, 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 blah. But th- those people are dipshits and don't know what they're talking about for the most part, what, what they're, they're conflating, like using the stock lighting model or whatever with, with, um, with, uh, like an entire framework for making games. The problem with unity for commercial stuff right now is that they're, they're, business terms are in flux in a way that makes me not want to invest hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in a project oh, sure. on that platform. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Even though, I mean, it seems like this walk back was pretty widely accepted, but still, but it's still like the damage is done. Yeah. They fucked up beyond all recognition and like nobody who, nobody who's looking at engines to make their next game should be looking at unity at this point, which oh. bums me out because unity like there, there was fairly priced and it was a good product for a long time. Yeah, I mean, like a a common sentiment I saw in the wake of the shitty policy rollout was a bunch of people who use Unity saying like, hey, part of the reason this sucks so much is because I like working with Unity. Like, here are five reasons why I think it's a good engine and and, and quite, you know, streamlined for the type of development we do and, Uh you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, a fair number of people, like, pretty happy with the actual product. We built Foo on Unity because their networking stack was easier to use, and they had... Actually, they had more robust plugins for networking than than Unreal had at the time. Um, if you're learning these days, I would... I would, I mean, you can, you can sign up for an Unreal developer account. It doesn't cost anything either. Um, you can download all of these, but it, it kind of depends on what they want to do, right? Um, if they want to make 2D games, there's better tools for that. If they want to make 3D games, Unreal is, is pretty amazing like a, a stock unreal five project with the shooter the shooter base project in it like you can have an open world going with trees and plants and cliffs and the whole thing where you're sculpting the world and you build a you you're running around with the stock guy shooting at boxes in like three hours Jeez. um the uh the one thing i will say is i i think if i was a kid starting out and learning like Five years ago, I wouldn't have said, hey, use Blender, learn how to use Blender to make your 3D assets. These days, Blender is pretty viable. And like Godot is in a like I I think that the Unity stuff is going to push Godot to a the place where the open source uh the open source the virtuous open source loop is kind of ticking over in a really good way for them. So sure, sure. And I'm, then I'm excited about it. And then Unreal. Epic and Unreal wasted zero time squandering the perhaps undeserved goodwill that they got from the Unity Fuffle because like a week after everybody was like, well, you, you Unreal <clears throat> has decent terms and is easy enough to work with. Like, maybe check that out. And then <laughs> they laid off 800 people. Oops. Well, I mean, I, I think my takeaway from the Unity thing, honestly, is all of these contracts we've for shrink wrap licenses we've changed, we've signed for the last three decades have said we can change the terms. We reserve the right to change the terms of this agreement at any time. And up until this point, nobody's really done it in a in a hyper damaging way like this because they're like, people will be pissed off at us. We can't do that. Unity tested the waters and and other people took note, I assure you. So like. At, at that point, the only defense against bad shrink wrap license terms is, hey, you know, we'll just use the open source thing. So 
like I, I, I think, I think that we might see a swing back in the other direction from, from using these prepackaged things. Now the thing you lose when you go to Godot or something like that is you don't have the massive asset stores that are attached to unity and unreal. So like, like, I mean, the stuff you can get for, from the, like I can buy scans of trees to put in an unreal five game that I don't have to do anything for. I just scan them and then unreal five kind of munges them down to be game friendly. And all of a sudden I place them into the, the tree generator and anywhere that it's the right altitude range will have these trees added to it. And, and like, you don't have that kind of turnkey stuff with Godot at this point. I mean, it'll, it'll come over time, but um, it's not it's not there right now. So you're going to work slower, and and it may be that taking on the license is the risk is worth the 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 risk involved with taking on the license is worth the money saved, having to build a million trees yourself. Yes, um, I, I have to assume that the virtualized geometry stuff that Nanite does in UE five is going to come to every engine eventually in, in another form, but it's probably going to take time. It, I mean, it'll it was a big investment on their part. Yeah, as I yeah, the yeah point, absolutely. So. Like kind of kind of in the same way that like mega textures were a big tech push, you know, and then now everybody uses virtual texturing in some way. Yeah, something similar. It's um, I, I yeah, I, that's more technical than I probably am capable of talking about. But I, I am uh, like I my my assumption is that getting that performant on the range of hardware that Nanite runs on was probably a pretty hard challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't mean it'll be anytime soon. But yeah. Maybe like 10 years from now or something. Yeah, I mean, now it's one of those things that now that people know it's possible, somebody else will figure yes. out another way to do that, it. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly that's exactly it. Um, much, much in the same way that like, I mean, going way back, like it kind of reminds me of like Unreal, like Quake was this massive leap forward for game technology. And then here is Unreal two years later doing all the same stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but Nanite also Nanite solves a specific problem that is unique to the unreal store where people who can make 3d assets for film, upload them to the unreal store and don't realize that you can't have a 32 million triangle uh, fence post. <laughs> and, uh, and, and now, and also this, I think they built Nanite cause it was easier to do that than say, Hey, this model has 32 million triangles on it. You probably shouldn't use it in games in the store. What are the, what are the, just like the basic storage requirements of an extremely high detail mesh like that? It's just, like, it's just a couple of megabytes. They're not is, big. Is that it? Okay. So that's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Cause all, like it's all just, it's all just point data, right? Yeah. The 3d meshes are just point points with connections to other adjoining points. It's triangles, descriptions of triangles in 3d space. And then I, well, whatever, this is probably <clears throat> way over both of our heads. I was just kind of thinking about what the memory footprint of that sort of thing is, but obviously Nanite, that's what they're abstracting. So that's not a problem. Well, yeah. And, and, my understanding is the way it works in unreal. Like I don't, the neat thing about it is I don't have to know how this works. Cause you just import the thing into unreal and then it mm-hmm. generates the asset that works in the game. Right. Like I don't, I don't know. It, you don't have to know how it works, but I mean, somebody maybe, in our pipe, somebody, somebody on our, on our team knows how it works, but it doesn't have to be me. And I can just go download something from Sketchfab Fair. and jam it in the game. And it just works. Unless you have the particular disease of desperately wanting to know how everything works. I, I will tell you working in a game for a while will cure you of that because there's an, it's an infinite number oh, of yes. holes to walk down. Yes, I absolutely understand that. Um, let's see question here from, is this a Finnish first name? Have we, I believe we've talked about this before. I never know how to pronounce J's and Finnish assuming. Yeah, it is. 
it's, 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 oh, no, no, that's Swedish. Sorry, I don't know about Finnish. That's Swedish Juso, I'm just going to say. I apologize if I should really brush up on that pronunciation. Um, should I install Home Assistant on my i7-9700K TrueNAS scale machine that is currently my NAS and Plex server, or just get a Home Assistant yellow? What is, um, is TrueNAS scale Linux? TrueNAS scale, scale has good Docker support, so you absolutely could just get your start, get your feet wet by just going to get the Home Assistant core Docker image and firing it up on your NAS. I, uh, I play around with it, but then you, ultimately, if yeah. you actually want to run Home Assistant, I mean, everybody's different, but... My feeling is anything that controls like stuff in your house should run on its own small dedicated hardware that can kind of stay up 24 seven. Well, and then the other benefit is that there's stuff on the raspberry Pi slash home assistant yellow home assistant yellow is a box that you put a raspberry Pi uh, compute module into. Um, and it has the radios and stuff built into the, into the box. Yeah. The, the, uh, the benefit of running it on the Pi is that you get access to the store and some other stuff. Yes. So yeah, at the, the software at the software level, the terminology is that's Home Assistant OS. Yeah. And so Home Assistant OS either it'll takes over your entire Pi or Yellow or whatever you're running it on, uh, and that's the only way to get all the Home Assistant features. Like even the Docker image, like the manual install, like I run the Docker image. Anything but Home Assistant OS is missing certain features. Yeah. And, um, and the stuff that you're missing is stuff that you're going to get like three, three months in and realize you don't have it and be like, Oh shoot. Yeah. Um, it's um, easy to migrate from one machine to another. Assuming yeah, you keep the radios yeah. the same. I want to say, I want to say some of the export functionality is, is limited to has OS actually. Like oh I really? You can, you can easily manually just move the dot home assistant directory. Yeah. Uh, and to, to migrate if you want, but, but the automated uh, backup, uh, export stuff I think is limited there. Um, did you see the home assistant green? They just rolled out. No. What is that? I think it's a maybe less capable piece of hardware, oh, but they had a blue before. Uh, yes. The blue I think was around. I'm not hundred percent sure what is up with the green. Well, I should have looked that up before this. So I think it's cheaper. It's, it's 99 bucks. I don't know how much the yellow is. 99 bucks. Is it? I wonder. I wonder if the green works out of the box. Maybe you don't have to source your own CM. No, no, no. They sell yellows with and without. They only started selling it without the CM because the CMs were hard to get. Okay, I, it looks like it looks like the green is all integrated. It looks like it has its own RAM and processor and everything. I don't think you need a. I don't oh, think so you it's just a, like a, soldered onto the board rather than. I don't in think you socket. need a Raspberry Pi compute module at all for the oh, green. We, is my guess. We, we should do a we should do a Home Assistant too because a lot of stuff has changed in the three years since we talked about Home Assistant last. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about grabbing a Sky Connect and and maybe a couple of thread bulbs to see if uh, to see if I can get that working. Yeah, I was going to say the other problem with the Home Assistant. Um, running in a Docker image is getting your Linux machine to if you if you're using external mem uh, radios either for Zigbee yeah. or Thread or Z-Wave, it's really challenging to get those to work reliably yeah, like, into yes. the Docker image. You yeah, have like to pass you, the USB port over, and like it's 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 not ideal. You you really have to know what you're doing working with hardware in Linux, especially yeah. if it's containerized, passing those devices through from yeah. the pseudo file system. So that's like yeah, that's a lot of Linux knowledge you need. Whereas if you stuff. put it on the like whereas installing home assistant to a raspberry pi you plug the sd card into your windows or mac machine run the raspberry pi os installer and then hit the button and you and yeah. you're good to go yes yes which i think is why if i if i do get a sky connect i'm probably in for a world of hurt because i am stubborn and don't want to give my entire pi over to home assistant because i run other stuff on there but i'm gonna have to manually get the sky connect working which is gonna be a pain just buy a yellow dude I, it's I really can, a nice piece of hardware 
I can do this. I can do this. I mean, you can, but should you? I do. I've learned so much <laughs> doing this. I shit. mean, that's that's true. Um, okay. Can, can I shout out this picture that an unimaginable pseudonym put in? Uh, sure. of the there's a it's a it's a ground level shot from a wet beach of a little tiny crab holding its fists up and a dachshund that's, just losing its mind at the crab. That's terrifying. It's, I'm not it's, sure how I feel about that. I think this should be the show art. Uh, very good. are like kind of ornery, aren't they? Depends on the uh, as as with everything, it depends on the dog and the owner. Sure, sure. I've kind of got the impression that they are a bit though. I had a friend who had a uh, dachshund that was super sweet and was a total yeah. like cuddle dog. Sure. I can see it. Um, all right. Let's do a couple more here very quickly. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I had a couple and I've lost them. Uh, Shoeless asks, how do you decide if you're going to be an early adopter of new tech? I think I'm thinking at the point in my life where I don't ever want to be. I don't think I'm voluntarily going to decide to be an early adopter again. Um, I see. It's funny. I I've literally never as in my adult life, I've always had a job that required me to do this. Sure. So like when I stopped working at tested, I kind of just stopped buying new things for a long time. It was nice, but now I I, I kind of miss it. Like, yeah, like, like I almost bought an Apple watch ultra last year because I was like, I like the form factor and I like the watch as it is. And it'll last a while because it has a big giant battery. So I I ended up not because it turns out I like $800 more. Sure. That's Um, yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm just at the point in my life where I just want things to work. Yeah. And so any any major new thing like talking about the Meteor Lake stuff last week, like you could not pay me to run the first desktop part that uses tiles. No, uh, just just like the first chiplet uh, Ryzen years ago was kind of not great. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny that stuff that that stuff is is maybe janky in interesting ways. But like I bought. I, I ordered the steam deck basically as soon as I could. And I, my, my steam deck, I is one of my favorite things I've bought in the last five years. Right. I use it all. I was yeah. playing Hades on it last night. Sure. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a remarkable and, and it's, it was remarkable. The software was a little bit janky when it launched. It gets better every time because valve has been doing good work on those releases, but it, yeah. it's, um, it doesn't, I guess the things that I early adopt are the things that I'm confident aren't going to have early adopter problems. Like your Meteor Lake example is a good one. I, I would not buy a me- I'm like, I'm glad I bought a 1300. I got a 1309 because I'm 13,900K because I'm not going to upgrade to Intel next year or yeah. maybe the year after until they kind of work out the initial kinks on this new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was skittish about getting this split Vcash Ryzen. It's mostly been fine, honestly. Like yeah. I haven't had I haven't I haven't had really any like like breaking issues. I've had some minor annoyances, but um but also like I, I don't even like I haven't even installed iOS 17 yet. I usually wait for the first minor version update wow, really? on Still? iOS. Uh like I'll wait till 17.1 probably. Wow. It's uh, uh it's it's um I found that iOS since they started doing the public betas has released the point zeros have been really solid. Yeah. It, it it probably is fine, but it, it's also an exam. It's kind of like Windows 11 of just like, eh, like I just, what I have is working fine. I'll get around to it eventually. Yeah. I see. I think that I, well, anyway, yeah, I, I get that. I think the iOS is they do meaningful improvements every year. Yeah. Whereas Windows 11 was just kind of, Hey, we gotta, we gotta juice the numbers. Um, part of, part of the reason I'm avoiding it is because I think that'll also enable the watch OS upgrade and they made a apparently very crappy change to watch faces that I don't want to deal with. 
What was the change? Uh, you can't just swipe between watch faces anymore on the watch. Really? You have to, there's like a press and hold oh, thing. That's the, it's funny. That's the way it used to be. Yeah, I, I think that's what I read that they changed it back. But I saw a lot of people complaining that it's a pain to change watch faces now, which I, I use pretty frequently. See, I actively liked the push and hold because I accidentally switched watch faces. And oh. when you switch watch faces, it changes the focus mode to be it on the one that the watch face is attached to. So mm-hmm. what right. was a bad change for you is a good change for me. Well, congratulations. Uh, all right. Last question from Andreas 3000. Are there plans for a t-shirt run people? Uh, sorry. Are there plans for a t-shirt run? Purple shirt with the yellow typeface is my vote. I, I haven't. I, we, we haven't talked, talked about, about a t-shirt. We talked about it like three years ago and then didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, I would be curious to take the temperature of the audience because t-shirts like T-shirts are a thing that like we're not going to like we don't make money on T-shirts are expensive to make and they're kind of a pain in the ass. So it's not like we make a bunch of money on them or anything. Yeah, they're not not a high margin business. And I can tell you merch requires a fair amount of work, like a fair amount of management. Yeah. So like if we did it, it would be a one off where you could. I mean, I guess I guess we could put up put it up on like a cotton bureau store or something like that and just charge cost for it. Um, uh, But then they'd be expected to be like 25 or 30 bucks. I like I, I I so okay two things I hate selling cheap t-shirts that look like yeah. shit after you wash them three times yes yes absolutely like like this is why giant bomb and tested merch in the old days was always expensive is because both Jeff and Ryan and you and I and Norm and everyone involved with those decisions was like no we're not selling shitty cafe press shirts that have iron-ons on them that when you wash them three times look like look like they've been through the garbage mm-hmm. um so that means it's the shirts are going to be expensive. Yeah. Um, funny, funny how that attitude can change when you get into a larger organization. Well, I think your leverage to complain and keep it from happening probably went away. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I don't know if people want shirts, we'll make shirts. Let us know in the in the thread on the discord, I guess, or send an email. You know, it, it's a granted. I think you you did the complimentary colors thing, right? Like yellow and purple naturally go together yeah but but it but it's a pretty striking design i think actually i i mean i i think it would be a fun t-shirt like how big would i can't even know how big to make that is it enormous is it do we make it look like the like the podcast art do we uh does it even say tech pod i guess for like branding and recognition made a tech pod yeah i think i think it would be funnier if you could use that generator to make your own but that's a whole separate that is a whole different thing i mean i i still like the idea of the sweatpants that have tech and pod on each cheek. <laughs> but I couldn't find anybody to make those. I, uh, I would have made those just so I could have had them. Um, and the purple mugs, it turns out, are impossible. Nobody makes purple mugs. So, you know, there's a lot of purple sweatpants out there. A lot of purple sweatpants, but nobody well, does applique for that many. It's too many letters. Maybe we, this is a whole new whole new business opportunity. We could waiting to happen. We could do if we had rebranded to tech with a K, we could do tech pod. I think three letters is the most you can applique on a sweatpants ass. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. Us and William Shatner yeah. spelling tech with I a don't, K. I don't want to be associated with William Shatner, please. Oh, maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Um, uh, all right. All right. I'm calling it on the questions. Okay. So that's September. We have an overrun. We had a bunch of good questions. Yeah. We might do some more questions on the patron episode later this week too, yes. or yes. earlier this week for listening. Uh, now what's this is going up. Oh, that, yeah. The patron episode should be up by the time you, Oh God, we have to get that done. Yeah, no, I know. Um, <laughs> hey, let's do that tomorrow. Uh, uh okay. Uh, let's, 
uh, right now, though, take a moment to thank our wonderful patrons. Uh, so Brad and Will made a tech pod. CH is a 100% listener supported show. We don't put ads on here to annoy people into subscribing for the Patreon or anything that people or, or to sell mattresses. I don't want to sell mattresses. I don't even like my ma- I don't I don't want to have to talk about do you like mattresses. Nobody wants a mattress at the end eh, of the day. Well, you know, I want one. Yeah, I'd probably be fine. I'd sleep on the floor. You'd be stiff for a week or two and then you get used to it. Uh, but but uh, if you would like to learn how to support the show, you can go to TechPod. Nope, that's not it. Wait, go on. You can go to Patreon.com slash TechPod. <laughs> there it is. Again, it's Patreon.com slash TechPod. And for five bucks a month, you can support the show. You get a fabulous patron episode that's exclusive to you, the patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get access to the uh, to the uh, cornucopia of information that is the TechPod Discord, which is where I learned about the tree that got cut down in Sheffield, England. Um, you can. It's a sycamore, I believe. It is. Yeah. William Wallace planted it is my understanding. I don't think that's actually true, but it's on Hadrian's wall. So he could have. Um, and uh, and you can hang out with people like Brad and me and 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 our other fabulous patrons. So uh, you should check it out at patreon.com slash techpod. And uh, every month we thank our patrons. Every week we thank our patrons. So thank you, patrons. Thank you, patrons. But a very special thank you goes out to our executive producer to your patrons, including Andrew Slosky. Bunny Fiend, Paddle Creek Games Makers of Fractured Vale, David Allen, James Kamek, Joel Krauska, Jordan Lippett, Just Wedge, Nick Johnston, Pantheon, Makers of the HS3 High Speed 3D Printer, and Twinkle Twinkie. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. Uh, and I guess that will do it for us this week. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Tech Pod. Hope you all have a great week. We'll see you then. Bye.